Um, good morning. It's so cold. Do you guys notice when you're outside on the way in? That's when that walk from uh, the parking lot to the Ruby isn't quite as like, aw, you know? When it's like 55 and sunny, it's just like, wow, I'm so thankful, you know? It's a little cold today. Maybe I'm the only one that feels that way. Um, all right, we're back. We're back in our prayer series where we've been for like ever now um, at this point. Last week we had birthday Sunday and it was so fun and festive and cute and sweet and nostalgic. Um, if you took a picture and put it in the little journal last week, will you just raise your hand? If you took a little photo and wrote something down, higher, higher, higher. Uh, I haven't gotten to read it yet. Leah got sick this past week, so I didn't get to go into the office, but I cannot wait to go through it and cry. Um, We've been in the middle of a prayer series for some time now. Um, hey, Luke, could you get me a cup of water? I forgot my water, and I can tell right now I'm going to cough. Thank you. Um, I'm not sick, <laughs> I promise. Uh, if it was two years ago, that sentence would have been illegal. Um, I don't know what I'm saying. Anyway, um, so we're, we're right in the middle of a prayer series. If this is your first time here, you can check out our series on the podcast, The Eat Those Church Hillsborough Village. But Man, we've just been sitting here and every week thinking about some aspect of prayer. And uh, the series has been, in my opinion, remarkably simple. Uh, it's, it's one of those teaching series that is not, uh, that's not really that remarkable. Thank you, Leo. Give it up for Leo. Thank you, Leo, the homie, the legend, the all-star baseball player. Um, but this is one of those teaching series that is not super like eloquent or remarkable in its content. Uh, it's more remarkable in its obedience. And if this is a series that you've stood idly by and just kind of listened intellectually, it, it, I almost guarantee it hasn't meant that much. But for those of you that have practiced, that have tried, that have been willing to keep going back to that inner closet, seeking the presence of God, being willing to kind of stick with it in the midst of mystery and, and, and just prayer can be weird. I, I trust that it's been blessing you slowly and surely. And today I want to introduce another aspect of prayer. And so if you're taking notes, uh, the word of the day is adoration. And I'm using that word because I thought the word worship um, has been said a lot, but that could be another word we use today. It's just worship. You know, uh, worship isn't just music. Worship doesn't have a sound. It has a heart. And that's kind of the, the, the conversation today is a heart of worship, a heart of adoration. If you've ever heard someone be like, you probably haven't heard someone be like this, but if you ever watched a TV show that was like older, it's like, oh, I adore them. I always hear adore them in like a British accent. I don't know why. I adore them. Is that British? Australian and British for me, same thing. I know they're not the same, but in my accent, it's the same. But have you ever heard that phrase, like, I adore them? What's it mean? I have a lot of positive things to say about them, Right? all the positive things. But if we're looking for an exact definition, like maybe deep love and respect to adore someone, to have deep love, deep respect. Also in the definition is that word worship, according to Google. And so today I wanna to talk about this aspect of prayer that is showing God your deep love and respect and worship. Now look, we've covered a lot of different versions of prayer, postures of prayer. There's a lot to get done in prayer. But today I wanna give you permission to focus solely 
on praising the name of the Lord and all the complexity that comes with that. Because if you're like me, you've got pain, you've got distraction, you've got anxiety, you've got worries, you've got logic, and sometimes that competes with the mystery of prayer. And all of that threatens to like kind of limit how willing to just praise the name of the Lord. Have you ever noticed that like doubts and confusion and questions can make praise almost cringy? You start singing worship songs and you're like, I don't know. You're a good, good father is who you are. And you just got like CNN in your brain. You're like, is he? You know? But I believe that like praise, the worship of the Lord is like literally freedom in the waiting for you. And I'm gonna expound on that. But I believe worship is such a gift that when you were knit together in your mother's womb, God gave you a soul that was literally designed to come alive, to find freedom in worshiping God. You ever heard the phrase, I heard this in a stand-up routine, say it with your chest? You ever heard that? Say it with your chest. <laughs> That's how I wanna say it. It means say something and mean it. Like say it with confidence. And I just want to be real with y'all. As your pastor and as your friend, as your brother, who I love y'all, y'all know you see me cry out, I love you so much. There is room to grow in how we say it with our chest when we praise the name of the Lord. Your doubts can be present when you praise the name of the Lord. Your pain can be present when you praise the name of the Lord. Your unbelief can be present when you praise the name of God. God. I was at a retreat this week. Man, the worship leaders were not shy about praising in confidence. And they were leading worship for a bunch of people that were a majority church of Christ. So we had the leaders going ham and the audience not doing that. <laughs> Standing here about like every last one of us was this morning. The ones that were going crazy this morning were doing this. You know? And what I noticed in those worship leaders is they kept going. They kept pushing us. They refused to let the vibe get to them. And they kept coaching us. They even did the thing that I hate when they're like, hey, dance, do a little bit of this, spin around. Like, oh, and I was like, eh, no, <laughs> I'm going to stand here awkwardly. Thank you. This is my safe space, you know? But you know what happened after a few days? Guess what all of us were doing? Dancing like a bunch of idiots. You should have seen how cringy it was. It was awful, but you know what? It was perfect. All of us with confidence were like, you know what? Like, God really is great, though. I don't know, like, if I dance and I think about you, I'm embarrassed, but if I dance and realize you take joy in it, well, now all of a sudden I'm kind of dancing in freedom. Wow, God, you're amazing. Thank you for loosening up my bones a little bit. Like, thank you for helping me drop my shoulders and incorporate my body into worship. You are worthy to be worshiped. If looking like a fool to them brings honor to you, then I will look like a fool to them 10 out of 10 times. I want to praise your name. Why? You are worthy of worship. Psalm, I don't know where this is going. Psalm 145. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, 
and greatly to be praised. The NIV would say he's worthy to be praised. Whether you know it or not, God is owed his praise. He is due praise. I love that God is our father and he's our friend and he's closer than a brother, but also he is holy and completely set apart and different. I don't know about you, but I don't go around worshiping my friends. That is set for God alone. Anyway, I got to get back to my notes. None of that was, yeah. All right. That's what we're going to talk about is worship and adoration. So here's the first thing I want to write down. I want you to write down. Worship and adoration is a way to access truth that sets you free. I did my own math here, and I don't think it's heretical. Phil, Cody, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. Finding reasons to praise the Lord in your prayer closet will set you on a path to freedom. Here's what I believe. Your soul is hungry for something real and something true. And you live in a world that tries to make you God. It makes you the main character. You're the author of your story. It makes you a worshiper of yourself and your limelight. And all underneath all of that deceit is a soul that is thirsty to lavish worship on someone who actually deserves it, who needs it. You need to be set free from the pressure of being God because you are not God. You need freedom from being the main character. You are not. If you're the main character, then what's everyone else? And if you're all main characters, then who's the main character? None of it's real. God is the main character and praising him, I believe, sets your soul in a truth it is longing for. In John chapter four, Jesus is talking to this woman at the well. It's a beautiful story, full of complex, beautiful truths. I'm gonna point out something very simple. Jesus promises the woman, he says, the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship in spirit and in what? Truth. The hour is now here where you can worship in truth, the truth. Not a buffet of truths where you just pick yours, the truth. John chapter eight, Jesus is talking about his disciples. He goes, if you abide in my word, you're truly my disciples and you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. So here's some homemade math I did. If you worship in spirit and truth and the truth sets you free, then there must be a freedom that is available in worship. When we, I may be wrong. We get, literally, you can rebuke me for real. When you worship, there is a truth. Now, I've experienced this anecdotally. In my own life, there have been moments where I've worshiped and praised long enough for the truth of God to become more and more impar- apparent in ways that I can't even articulate. I don't know what this is, but the more I worship God, the more I choose, despite circumstance, to extol the Lord, to praise his name, the more true God becomes the more my soul goes, no, keep going, you're right. You're getting into something that is real. 
We need this freedom. I think back, here's the, here's the anecdote. Leah, two years ago, you've heard this story. When she got in her car accident, had rods, rods and pins put up from the L1 to L5 of her spine, had six inches of her intestine removed, sitting in the ICU. Crazy stuff, like, oh, wow, this can happen to me. My wife, in one of her darkest hours, she comes home from the ICU. Her mom's here taking care of her on bed rest. I needed like a two hours to get away. I don't know what made me think of this other than just good mentors, but I remembered back to when my mentor told me, sometimes you need to get away for an extended period of time and just worship the Lord. And so I thought to myself, all right, I'm gonna go to my secret spot in Nashville. Where is that secret spot? None of your business. Go to my secret spot in Nashville and I'm gonna worship the Lord. Thank God that instinct came in. I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm surprised that I thought to do that. I credit the Holy Spirit. And I go to this secret spot, and I don't go there and go, God, why did it happen? Although if I would have, that would have been okay to wrestle with God. Why is my wife in this much pain? I didn't go there and pray that the pain would go away. Although if I would have, that would have been faithful and good. But I went there and I can't explain why. I really don't credit myself. I just worshiped him. And I'm sorry for the anecdote here, but as I worshiped him, I just felt free. Even as I reflected this week, I went, you know what? When I was not in the valley and I was having a good season and I worshiped the Lord, someone else was in their darkest hour. And God was good. And in that moment, I was in my darkest hour. And Leah was certainly in hers. But God was still good and righteous. And this life was still temporary and he was still forever. And the more I worshiped, the more for some reason my soul just began to really grab onto and digest in healthy ways perspective. God, you are still incredible. And I could mean it. I wasn't like, faking myself out or giving myself a nice spiritual placebo, robust meaning it. Lord, you are still good. I mean, that's the story of scripture. No matter the circumstance. Some of us would be well to remember Acts 16, 25, Paul and Silas, they are in chains and it is God's fault. Just so we're clear. They pray to heal a woman. She gets healed and people that stand to profit off of her illness get mad, they throw them in prison. I say, if I'm Paul and Silas, I'm like, God, you could have just not healed her when we asked for it. If prison is the consequence, what? What do they do? It's a classic story. What do they do? In chains, Paul and Silas. They sing hymns. That's right, Josh, newly baptized. They sing hymns. And they praise the Lord. And I want you to hear this. They didn't praise God because they were ignorant or stupid or trite or trivial. They praised God because they were rooting themselves in something that was more true than the chains around their ankles. When Paul said to live is, to live is, to die is, to live is Christ and to die is gain. He meant that. And in the toughest of times for him to step into that reality, he had to worship his way into it. I believe that. 
He's in chains going, you know what? These chains are tempting me to fear what will happen to my earthly body, to fear the power of man. So I will pray and worship my way into faith because I know God's in this prison cell. I know he's real. So I've just spent a lot of time basically saying the adoration of the Lord is a gift for you in the waiting that I believe reveals real truth and real freedom in your soul. And isn't it just totally in the character of God that when we give him the praise he is due, that he is owed, regardless if we benefit. We do not need to benefit for God to be worthy of praise. He is an infinite God. We are finite humans. But doesn't it just testify of his character that when we worship God, we somehow find this freedom? That we feel the spirit just building us up, giving us spiritual steroids the more we worship? It's the generosity of God at work. Now listen, I wanna remind us, this is that teaching that it's only remarkable in obedience. If you stand here and just try to intellectually understand what I'm saying, I don't know, good luck. I just think it's gonna be cringy and not that helpful. And I'm just gonna sound ignorant. But if you will try this in a genuine heartfelt way to worship the Lord, to extol his, extol his praise, that can't be it, to give him praise, to lavish love on him, I believe you will experience the healing of the spirit. Anyway, all right. So I want to spend the rest of my time exploring some ways we can worship. What are some things about God worthy of worship? Are you ready to go there with me? All right, don't stand as observers. Think about your context. Think about your own brain. Let your brain explore these ideas. Let's talk about creation. Creation is so cool. If we'll just slow down enough and take the cool off, take the cool guy off, be vulnerable enough to appreciate what is literally always all around us. Jesus once said, if my disciples stop praising God, surely the rocks will cry out. In other words, I'm gonna give my praise regardless. You do you, all right? I thought that'd be funnier. I don't know why. I was like, let me pause for a laugh. <laughs> Not a laugh. Not one. I didn't even see a smirk, dude. Anyway, it wasn't funny. I don't know what happened there. My instincts were off. But Jesus is saying, hey, look, if humans aren't aware, nature is. Nature knows instinctively of my goodness, of my glory. I want to ask you, when's the last time you stared at the ground long enough to see the life erupting from it? You stare at the ground long enough, what do you start seeing? Just little bugs. There's just life everywhere. Because when you just look at it at a glance, it's just grass. But the more you stare at it, you're going to see life everywhere. Thought about butterflies. Butterflies are wild. They used to be caterpillars. What is going on? How does that happen? Just wraps himself up in a little blankie, a little snuggie. Comes out a butterfly? You ever looked at a blade of grass, the detail engraved on it? We are surrounded by detail. I remember my professor one time, he was a, a theologian, he, he gave me a, an assignment to go sit and talk to a tree. It's like, professor, no, <laughs> because I'm not crazy, but I did it. I sat there and stared at it. I started thinking about all the lives that had walked by that tree. I started, look, forgive me, man, but I started thinking about 
how cool it was that the tree it was just content to be a tree, was just firmly living in its identity as a tree, not trying to be anything else, knew how to be a tree really well. Guys, I hate to say this out loud, I got emotional thinking about the tree. <laughs> Started being like, man, you've seen a lot in your life, you tree with no eyes. <laughs> you know? But there is something. I'm not telling you to go talk to a tree. I am not telling you to go talk to a tree. Don't quote me on that. But there is something about slowing down long enough and paying attention. Did you ever, have you ever had a pet that you loved? A fish? A bird? You want a bird person? A dog? A cat? Are pets not wild? What is the relationship with animals? I was watching a YouTube video where this like scuba diver discovered that a great white shark not only didn't want to eat him, but wanted relationship with him. And every time he'd swim down to his little spot, the, the, I mean, this mammoth of a great white, like Jaws movie straight up, would just swim up and just wanted to be petted by the scuba diver. What? What is happening? The things we are discovering. Have you ever watched Planet Earth? Dude, that is crazy. Remember my friend Sarah Sullivan saying, I don't know why we get so infatuated with humans. You ever seen what lives under the ocean? We got aliens everywhere. She's right. There was a fish that had like a flashlight over its head, a flashlight. What's going on? That's not possible. It wasn't plugged into anything. Just swimming around, giving off light in the depths of darkness. Guys, have you slowed down long enough to go, whoa, that is creative AF, man. AF stands for as faith. <laughs> That's creative. And I felt this stirring in my heart, like Nashville, you're, we're full of artists. Some of y'all are a couple years away from being multimillionaires doing world tours. I wanna say this in fuel, full humility and grace. You are not nearly, not even close to as creative as God is. He's phenomenal. He just breathes excellence. And for that alone, God is worthy to be praised. And if you'll be vulnerable enough and open enough deep down within you to just meditate on the creativity, the luxury of God's creativity that is at all points, always all around you. God, you're amazing. And you don't gotta pick a bunch of stuff. Choose one plant and try to thank God for the next 15 minutes about all the complexity in that one thing. Watch what your soul does. He's really incredible. He just is creative. No effort required. How about relationships? You ever slow down long enough to be like, God, it was pretty cool of you to create relationship. Does anyone have a friend they love? A family member that means something to them? a love interest that makes you feel things you've never felt before. Like I wrote this down. Have you ever laughed so hard that your belly hurt? What is laughing? What's going on? Why you just breathe super hard? That was funny. <laughs> what, what's happening in that moment? Laughter is so odd when you think about it, but it feels good. You ever just cried your eyes out in the shoulder of someone you trust, found a refuge in them in heartbreak? You ever went on like an unexpected road trip with a friend and made memories? You know, God created spontaneity and memories. 
Those were all God's ideas. When you laugh, you're running out of breath, you're laughing so hard. When you're weeping and someone's there to comfort you, when you're making memories and you can literally picture them right now, you can go back and each of you can think back in a moment where you were so joyful and you can remember it. And if you think about it long enough, you'll start almost feeling touches of the joy you were feeling in that moment. You ever thanked God for that ability? Yesterday, we had a couple, Caitlin and Stephen from the Ruby get married. And it was just this quintessential moment where the groom is just weeping as the bride walks down the aisle. And I just thought, God, this is so cute of you for you to give humans this opportunity. What, what is this? Look at him. He's a mess. Just a puddle on the ground. It's so sweet. When's the last time you sat in God's presence and went, God, relationships are very meaningful. Thank you for creating them. Thank you for all the feelings. I think about my friend Daniel. He was there my freshman year of college. When me and my girlfriend broke up, I went to 43rd Avenue, sat on his porch and just snot cried. I'm typically the crier in my relationships. <laughs> Leah can testify firmly that that's true. He just put his arm around me. He just loved me. That same friend Daniel was there right behind me when I got married. I'm so thankful for Daniel. I'm thankful for that friend. I got another friend and we made this music video and we spent more money than we ever should have knowing that this would be completely insignificant, a waste of finances, a waste of time, a waste of energy, and that we would love every second and do it over and over and over again if we could. And it was so dumb and so fun. Man, friends are awesome. God, you, you are really special for making this available. Thank you so much, God, for my friends. Thank you for memories that mean a lot to me. Thank you for family. Whatever family you have, whether they're blood or not, you consider them family. Thank you, God, you're worthy of worship. I'm just trying to give us some ideas here. What about his character? Sit down long enough to meditate on the character of God. This is what Ephesians 2, 4 through 5 says, that God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved. This year, I felt like God came out and said, you haven't thought about the cross in so long. You ever think about something so much that you're really not thinking about it? That was the cross for me this year. And he just re-reminded me of how beautiful that cross is. I mean, how awful and dark that moment was, but for my sake. You know what grace is? Grace is getting something you don't deserve for your benefit. That's grace. Mercy is not getting something you did deserve for your benefit. God is a God of grace. He has given me so much, just so much grace and kindness. And I know culturally, we may struggle with the whole sin thing. I'll just talk about myself. I am a sinner. Left to my own devices, I have asked for death. And I don't mean that like metaphorically. I'm talking literally. I have asked for actual death with some of my decisions. I've been reckless in my life. I've hurt people. And I do not deserve a perfect God to tell me a story 
about Christ living a perfect life, dying on a cross for my sins, resurrecting from the dead, and just covering me in his perfect righteousness for every past, present, and future sin I've got in me. I've got his grace, worthy to be praised, his mercy. God, I don't deserve forgiveness. I do deserve death. I deserve real consequence in my life. Thank you for sparing me. When's the last time you slowed down long enough and just meditated on the grace and the mercy and the patience of the Lord? Has anyone else experienced God's patience in their life? Has God been patient with you? Raise your hand if God has been patient with you. And whoever didn't, whoever was hesitant, just think longer. You'll get there. He's been patient. He's been patient as I didn't fully understand his kindness for me, just how much he loves me. I keep just defaulting into this legalistic mindset and he keeps graciously just teaching me and growing me. He's so steadfast. I'm always changing. Circumstances always changing. He's never changing. We underestimate the luxury of getting, getting to come back to the same old God. Just same old, same old. What's new with you? Nothing. Still perfect, still full of grace, still full of kindness. Got some new things for you, but I'm still me. Like, you know what a luxury it is to have this Bible that just never changes? God, thank you. Man, I'm always changing. It is so nice to have a rock to stand on, to have a firm foundation. I'm almost done. What about his holiness? I think sometimes we can spend so much time talking about his closeness and his being our father and, and our friend that we accidentally kind of water down this aspect. In Revelation 4, there's all these weird creatures with lots of wings and lots of eyes, and they're just worshiping God. It's, it's pretty other than, and I think that's, that's part of the point here. And they sing out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Holy is the one who knows no beginning and no end. I can't think about eternity too long because I get dizzy, but have you ever thought about it? Let's not think about it too long. But have you ever thought about it? Eternity is so out of our grasp. We can't logically comprehend it. And yet here we are, no matter what you believe, by the way, sitting in it. We're in it. We're in the middle of eternity. It's so weird. God is just different. He's so set apart. It's fascinating if you let yourself go there. Another word for different is holy. God, you're holy. You're righteous, full of power. You've always been, you always will be. Man, in your prayer closet, get lost in the holiness of God. I don't think you need me or a podcast or a book. I think you need you, some alone time, and the Holy Spirit to get lost in this. Praise the name of the Lord. And I also don't believe you need to be on the mountaintop. I don't think life needs to be falling into place perfectly. Man, sit there and ask Cody in the red jacket if he always needs to be on the mountaintop to experience the power of worship. Ain't it true that worship in the valley is so potent? perhaps more potent than the mountaintop at times. 
in a weird way, I'd almost say, if you're hurting, depressed, not sure where God is, man, I'd almost go, worship. I've got this slide that says remember, but don't worry about it. Hey, don't throw up the remember slide. I'm actually just going to remind us of a passage in Psalm 77. This is to those who are hurting and skeptical of worship. This is verse nine. Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? Then I said, I will appeal to this. To the years of the right hand of the Most High, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. That's Psalm 77, 9 and 10. I challenge you to go read Psalm 77 this week. There was a time where I was desperate for more of God and felt completely alone. And I hate to say this, but the wind blew open my Bible to that passage. That's the only story of the wind blowing up my Bible that I got. I ain't full of those. But I gotta tell you the truth, right? I can tell you when I don't feel them. I gotta tell you when the wind blows it open. First nine verses, I never felt more known. Those first nine verses are so frustrated, so alone, full of questions and angst and anger. And then the rest of the passage is this choice to remember where we've seen God, not just in our own lives, but in the lives before us. And you can feel the strength mount as the writer Asaph keeps writing. And the more he chooses to remember the goodness of God and worship the name of the Lord, you can feel that say it with your chest building in him. So I wanna encourage you this week, give yourself a space, 15 minutes, 30 minutes, to only pray prayers of adoration, of worship, even if it's accompanied by heartbreak, even if you feel the doubt right there with you, worship still. If you feel the cringe, if you feel the illogical stuff, like, like this doesn't even make sense, keep worshiping. And see if the helper, the comforter, the spirit of truth won't join you in your worship of the Lord. There's this method I have. I call it the jackhammer approach. And this is where we're gonna end. It's up there, isn't it? Jackhammer. I don't like the image because it's way too aggressive. But where I do like the image is the jackhammer just keeps doing the same thing in the same direction, trusting that over time that concrete or that hard surface will finally give way. And I, that's the image that comes to my mind when I think about worship and adoring the Lord. Sometimes you need to have the courage and the consistency of a jackhammer that keeps worshiping until slowly but surely the hardness of your heart starts to, see, come on, we need it, we need it. The hardness of your heart slowly starts to break. I swear worship is a jackhammer to your hard heart. The more you just bless the name of the Lord. I'm not saying it's easy, you gotta work at this, but the more that in faith you go, you know what, I'm just gonna think about God's grace. Keep hitting it. You're gracious. You're gracious, a memory pops up. Man, you were gracious then. Another memory, another scripture, a friend a story you remember. And then slowly but surely, 
20 minutes in, there you are going, you know what? Somehow, some way, a part of me is just immersed in believing God. You really are the most gracious. Thank you, Lord. And so as you go out and worship this week, I want to encourage you in that prayer closet, on your commute, if you try worshiping the Lord and eight minutes in, ain't nothing happening, you don't feel any Bethel or any Hillsong spirit in you, that's okay. Keep going. See if there's not some truth and some freedom available to you. If you'll just stick with it and worship the Lord, he is worthy to be praised. And so I want to give us a chance to practice it. This is the annoying part where I ask you to participate. We're going to do it individually. We're not going to get in chairs. I don't know why I to speak that way. I love it when we get in chairs. Some of you do too, whatever. But if you've got a pen and paper, I want you to pull it out. And if you don't, you have a phone. Pull out your notes. Maybe put that phone on Do Not Disturb, that little, little moon. Turn that moon on. Go to that next slide. Yeah. And I'm going to give us like six minutes before Will comes back up. I'll pass that communion while you're doing this. And I literally want you just to write a letter to the Lord. Now, again, if, you don't, if you're not vulnerable enough, this will feel cringy, all right? You have to be vulnerable. I believe God is listening and he is reading. And just write a letter of adoration. Here's why I love you. Here's why I praise your name. Here's why you're worthy of my praise. You go as short or as long as you want. And then when you're done writing the letter, just spend some time praising him in your own way. You don't need to sound like anybody else but you. You may sound like you who's trying to find your voice in worship. Just, that's fine. Explore it. Yeah, so let's throw on some, uh, let's throw on that playlist, Luke. I'm going to give us, I've got time. Don't worry about time. Don't worry about texts. Don't worry about anything on your phone other than just writing a letter to the Lord.